Hello, this is Jane Coombs of Working Well Solutions Limited, and I'm starting a new podcast series on health, safety, and well-being in the workplace, based on my experience and topical issues. Let's go. Episode number five: First Aid in the Workplace. First aid preserves life and minimises further injury. All businesses in the UK are required to provide first aid in the workplace under regulations. This usually includes people, equipment, boxes, systems and procedures, especially telling new starters or people on site how they can get hold of their first aider. People often have accidents at work, or even become ill. And they need to get the right help as soon as possible. That is, a trained person is able to assess their injury or illness and take the appropriate action. Now, this might be sticking on a plaster, or it might be performing CPR. And in between, there's a whole gamut of things that can happen. The first step when dealing with first aid is to look at your company and decide what the risks are in terms of accidents, where you are in relation to the local hospital and your workforce. For example, if you have older people, you may consider purchasing and installing an automated external defibrillator or AED. I mention AEDs because they are becoming more prevalent in UK workplaces and are encouraged to be provided. This first part of the process is called your risk assessment or health needs assessment. Once you have this, that forms the basis of deciding the level of first aid you require. And do you need a full-blown trained first aider or could you have an appointed person which is the minimum requirement for first aid. Even in a small low hazard business it's possible for someone to be taken ill or have an accident. Therefore the company appoints a person to take charge. Their role is to look after any first aid equipment and facilities and to call the emergency services when required. They can also provide emergency cover if your first aider isn't there, but they cannot be relied on for long periods, say your first aider was on holiday. And an appointed person does not have medical first aid training, so anyone could apply. The next level of first aid training is that of an emergency first aider, and for these they do need some training in the basics of life support and there's a set criteria but the training is less. The final category of first aid would be person who has done a full course which is roughly about three to four days and there's an exam at the end of it and you get a certificate which lasts for three years. So if you're a larger company this is what you probably you'd be looking at. They would also need to have annual refresher training, which you can do on site if you have somebody to teach them. And they will be given first aid manuals to reference what they're doing. 
There's also a rather good app available from British Red Cross, which you can put on your smartphone. I will give all the information of these in the show notes. Now, what a first aider requires is their first aid box or their particular equipment. If you have specific hazards on site, can only do that which they are trained to do and they should not go into the area of diagnosing illnesses or recommending medications. That's really important. But that all comes in the training and that's made very clear to first aiders their boundaries and limitations. Which is why your insurance would be able to cover them on your public liability policy. First aid training and relationship with the health and safety executive has changed somewhat over the past five to ten years. When I started out, the training organisations that offered first aid training were all authorised by the HSE, but that's all been relaxed now. And now it's down to the employer to make sure that your trainer is competent in what they do. And HSE gives guidance on how you can make sure that that's adequate. However, they do suggest that you look at St John's and the Red Cross. Something else the HSE recommended, but don't anymore, is the contents of the first aid box. There is a suggested set of equipment that you can put in your first aid box. And one thing you need to consider, which I think is really important, is whether to keep the first aid box locked or to leave it open access so that people can help themselves to plasters. This can backfire with people helping themselves too much to plasters so that when you actually need one, there's not one available. Two other items which come under the remit of first aid, in my experience, has been the eye wash bottles for chemicals that splash into the eye and also emergency showers. Two things, uh, for the eye wash bottles, make sure that they're in date and somebody checks them regularly. And for the emergency showers, they can become infected with Legionella, so you need to check them regularly. And I will put the link how you can do this in the show notes. If there's likely to be a lot of first aid incidents, especially cuts such as in catering, then you may want to consider protecting your first aiders as well by thinking about biohazards and also considering hepatitis V vaccination. Remember too that if the infection goes into the skin, say if there was a needle stick injury, there's a lot of needles around in some places, used needles, then they would have to go along to the local A&E department to consider whether they need some medication to prevent something like HIV developing. You may decide during your assessment that you want your own on-site medical services rather than first aid support, in which case you can look at employing some paramedics or an occupational health service who are trained in first aid. At Ford's, where I worked there, we had a fully equipped ambulance to go to major incidents 
while at the Olympics there was a huge team of medical professionals for both visitors and staff. The good thing if you have occupational health is they will take control of the first stage provision will help you with the risk assessment and monitor and assist the first aiders. Occasionally, after a traumatic incident on site, people will need to be supported. Research tells us that you're not supposed to have a full debriefing like we used to have, but managers need to consider supporting those affected, especially any treating first aiders or bystanders. Accidents have to go into the accident books and it's a good idea for the first aider not to do that but to keep their own records of any incident as well. You may also decide that you need a first aid room and you need a bed, running water etc and this will come out of your health risk assessment. However, just a cautionary word here. I've worked at places where we have a first aid room But because it's not used regularly, then it gets commandeered for meetings, sleeping, coffee, prayer rooms and breastfeeding. And it can be really embarrassing. I hope you've learned something from this short podcast. It is just the bones about first aid. There's loads of references on site from the HSE and they've just developed a microsite where the language is very user friendly. There's also the approved code of practice for first aid, where I take a lot of my information. All of these links will be available in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've uh, found something useful here and look out for my next podcast. Thank you and goodbye.